listening to What the Truck. Cut the music. All right. What's up, everybody? It's Memorial Day. Let's take a moment. Let's take a, Let's just take a quick moment of silence for, for the fallen and, and for remembrance here. Amen. All right. Welcome to the show. I'm Dooner. That's the dude. What's up, Mr. Vincent? Peace and love, brother. How you doing today, man? I, I'm doing excellent. And uh, ooh, even better now because we got video on LinkedIn today. Nice. I got you guys up. Uh, so. Hey, from the beginning? Yes, from the beginning. Can you believe oh, it? Wow. Oh, my God. It's a <laughs> Memorial Day miracle. Thanks for looking up. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. Comment along. We're more than happy to interact with you. Anyway, so I have really bad seasonal allergies. So last night I launched an investigation into, uh, into the pollen epidemic. And I found out something really interesting. Do you, do you want to know what it was? Let me, let, me, let me take a guess. It was Mr. Weathersby trying to drive down real estate prices in the U.S. No, no. See, there, there's a reason. There's a reason behind all this oh, pollen, oh. right? So you see all the pollen. I thought it was from the Scoob movie. You, you see all the pollen out here in America. Well, well, hear this, right? Back in the 1950s, there were these beetles in Europe. Well, wait a minute. Are you, are you, the Fab Four are responsible for your seasonal allergies. No, no, not those beetles. The bark beetles. So oh. they they would burrow gotcha. in. They would burrow into elm trees and eat the bark. But the problem is that the beetles carry a fungus on their bodies, and that would get into trees and would cause Dutch elm disease. So, meanwhile, back in the day, the U.S. streets here lined right. It was a beautiful elm grove, millions and millions of elms lined in the streets of America. Well, these global trade hitchhikers, these, uh, these bark beetles, they end up getting in our trees. They annihilate 75% of the U.S. elm population, right? Okay, I'm following you. <laughs> so, so we decide, so, uh, you know, the Department of Agriculture decides to fight back. We, we have to plant a whole bunch of new trees. Cities are looking ugly. There, there's too much smog. They want to beautify. So they made one huge, unforgivable mistake that we will be living with for the rest of our lives. Ah, what was that? Did we get involved in a land war in Southeast Asia? You know, that's one of the rules of war you should not get involved in. Well, I, I no, not that. This is even worse. I don't know if you knew oh. this, but plants, right, they have genders. And the city planners of America, uh, ah. the city planners of America and the Department of Agriculture recommended to only plant male trees because they thought the female trees would drop seeds and fruit all over the ground and it would be, it would be a big mess, but... Uh, so the male trees, they're the ones that shoot out all the pollen. Nature had a design for this. They'd have female trees to catch all the pollen. But with all these male clone trees, there's no female trees to do it. So this is all due to the Department of Agriculture and a bunch of, I guess, like horny male trees. <laughs> it's, always the, it's always the male's fault. But you're telling me over the past uh, 70 years that uh, the female tree population hasn't equalized this out? Well, like I said, it was in the, 19, in the 1950s, and they started planting them out, so these things took a while to mature. So that's why uh, allergies and asthma and everything started to explode from the 80s onward. For me, I was born in 79, so I, they've been with me all my life. But uh, it was really interesting reading this, that, there was a, there, that there's a reason behind all of this stuff. I get it. I get it. There's always a reason. There somewhere. Is. So It's somebody's fault somewhere, Dooner. It is. And you know whose who's fault this episode is? It's Hubtech's fault. They're our sponsor this <laughs> Blame month. Blame on them. This month's What the Truck is sponsored by Hubtech. Hubtech just launched Tabby. If you watch Freightways Live at home, you saw their demo. Tabby is a new task automation bot that helps you focus on what matters. To learn more, visit GoHubtech.com. By the way, Chris Jolly... He says, uh, yeah, thank God it's Friday. Looking forward to this show. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us. Matt Frost says good morning. Let's get to some headlines. Good morning. All right, what's in the news? All right, 
Broker gross margins are way down in Q1 from a year earlier. Easy enough to predict. Uh, This is a conversation we're probably a little sick of because of all the battle between truckers and brokers over rates. But here's just a little context for it all. John Kingston reports that while brokers are under attack from some quarters of of the network of drivers who are dealing with low trucking rates, a quarterly report spells out how the three PLs took a hit in the first quarter. That's right. The the report released by the uh, the Transportation Intermediaries Association, the TIA, shows a decline in most margins in the first three months of this year uh, in both the fourth quarter of 2019 and the first quarter here. That's, uh, yeah, and uh, further, the Truckload Business Association, TIA, reported all three PLs aggregated show the the gross first quarter 2020 margin declined to 15.1% from 17.2%, though total shipments dropped just 2.7%. Uh, so the average invoice um, uh, amount per load declined 8.4% to uh, 1,628 from 1,778, the lowest point in, in, in two years, Dooner, and overall truckload revenues declined 10% in the quarter as well. Noel Perry, who I believe once debated our own Zach Strickland, he's the TIA's chief, that is true. chief economist, he said in his introduction to the report that the decline in margin percentage across all modes was surprising. Although I don't think it's that surprising. He says, one disappointment no. is the drop in margin percent, something that has not happened on the approach to recession before. I suspect it results from the flood of new brokerage and truckload capacity that entered the market in response to the very good times of 2017-2018, such a precedent is disturbing, giving the deterioration in market prospects attendant to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, we saw the we saw the effects of that influx of of capacity in in 2019 with the the depressed volumes, and now this is just making it worse. But the total activity summary for all modes, truckload, intermodal, LTEL, and some of the other small categories showed a gross margin percentage of 15.8 percent, down from 15.9 percent in the fourth quarter of last year. So quarter to quarter, down 0.1. Uh, but compared to the first quarter of last year, the drop in gross margin percentage was was much greater. Uh, so it dropped from 17.5% to 15.8%. So a, a rather uh, healthy drop. And that, that's in line with what the uh, the brokerage organizations were saying, where there was a 16% mar- margin across the board. And, uh, you know, it's just part of that argument. That this is one that is probably going to persist through this until rates get back up. I know the truckers got heard over at the at the White House. I'm not sure what, if anything, will come from that, if it was just to placate those guys. But uh you know, there's some of the reason behind why you're seeing what you're seeing out there in the market. Yeah, 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 it's exactly right. I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, here's the numbers and what we've been talking about. It isn't that the broker's still getting $1,700 for that load and only paying you $900. they are getting squeezed as well. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, and I'm sure some of the things you're seeing out there and some of the screenshots we're seeing, like, of course, in good markets or bad, there's always going to be brokerages who test the load boards and they put loads at artificially low rates to see to see who's going to bite. Shippers do the same thing. Um, same as carriers at the top end. You know, they're not being transparent with their rates either. So uh, it, it's a tough issue. I hope we can all work together. I don't think you and I are going to solve that one. No, we're probably not. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. When you look at, at different rating tools, et cetera, when you, you, what you're talking about is that, that kind of like fishing for rates or whatever, but those, those bid-ask prices and stuff like that. So when you're looking at specific tools, you got to look at tools that have like actual rates to understand what is happening on a daily basis. Yep. And our friend I happen Tom, to know of one. Tom Curry, our friend over at Kingsgate Logistics, he says, dropping margins, dropping charges certainly sounds like price gouging. Same problem as always. Good news doesn't make much noise. Bad news goes nuts. And it's kind of funny because it's kind of like reverse price gouging, right? Price gouging would almost be like what was happening in 2018 with 
with prices being artificially high. So I, I don't know. Maybe we're just redefining terms here. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it, price, yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, price gouging. Is even I wouldn't even call 2018 price gouging. I mean, there just wasn't that capacity. Price gouging is is more along the lines of a natural disaster, like a hurricane, where you could, you know, the the, the price of something isn't up. You have it. You just know that you can sell it for more because people, you know, they want it and they'll pay anything for it. It's not that you're out of stock or there's or there's a depletion in the capacity. Looking for some good partners? Gardner Inc. released their results of its annual supply chain top 25. Cisco Systems scored the top spot in the ranking, followed by Colgate, Palmolive, Johnson Johnson, Schneider Electric, and Nestle. Nestle also ranked high on our shipper of choice. Very interesting. Six new companies that joined this year, though, were Lenovo, that computer company, AbbVie, British mm-hmm. American Tobacco, Rickett Beckinser, Biogen, and Kimberly Clark. Yeah, right. And there were three uh, key trends that standed out this year for those companies that made the list. Gartner said in a press release, they they use a language of purpose, recognize that problem solving requires partnership with others in the community, and were early early and frequent adopters of digital technology dooners. So there you go. And and immensely helpful right now. We're losing visibility. We have workers in disparate places all all moved out on their own. So a lot of those uh, a lot of those advancements in technology paying dividends now. And uh, I would you know, if I'm I'm a carrier and I'm looking for some good partners, I might peep that list of top 25. They seem to be some good cats to work with. Yeah, absolutely. If you're yeah, if you're looking with somebody, that that's it. The transparency, the digitization, the uh, oh, we're in a community and we can work together and actually solve problems and, and move things forward. Uh, it's surprising. We have to call Doug Potvin, but real quick, uh, there's there's oh. a new passport research that just came up on our site. It's auto cybersecurity practices are woefully inadequate and in desperate need of regulation. This is another thing we've talked about. A, a connected world and an antiquated world like supply chain often is can, can present a lot of holes. But even in the auto industry, the same thing happens. The passport research team looks into this, into keyless entry attacks, all those things. They're accounting for a third of of hacking incidents. But the good news is that uh, $380 million investments have poured into that segment from 2010 to 2019, which uh, should increase in this decade. Go to uh, go to Freightways.com. Look at a passport. It's really good. That is our uh, continuing education, research, and events community. That's pa- Just click on passport at Freightwaves.com. Right on. All right. Let's call uh, Duck Podfan. He's the chief financial officer at Trinity Logistics. Yeah, let's do that. Five, count of five. Five, two minutes. Thank you, Doug. Yes, hi. hi uh, hey, Doug, what's going on? You're on What the Truck with Dooner and the Dude. Oh, good to know that. Good to know that. Good to be with you guys today. <laughs> yeah, man. You I... are... <laughs> Go right ahead. I was just going to say, welcome, Doug. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well. Doing well. Hey, I want to give you guys a shout out to, to Craig and to George and to the whole entire Freightway teams, man. Your Freightway Live conference, uh, you, what you guys put on was absolutely wonderful. What a blast uh, to do that virtually and uh, had the success you had. So congratulations to you guys on a, on a top-notch uh, show and performance there. You know, Doug, you give a lot of praise. I noticed on LinkedIn, too, that you're not shy about giving praise to your teammates and coworkers. That's pretty solid of you. It is. And they, they're doing, a, you know, they're working hard every single day uh, through this COVID-19, as, as the entire supply chain is. And, they, you know, I think it's valuable to continue to motivate and, and, and wish our teammates well and to recognize the hard work they do day in and day out. I'm, I'm certainly glad to do that in that. Impress upon them that they are valued completely here at Trinity. 
Excellent stuff. That's good to hear. And, and, and obviously the right attitude to have with, with your employees, et cetera. But so you have a strong, uh, good relationship with try and pay, Doug. Can you give us some background on that? Yeah, we've, we've got a long relationship with the entire Triumph team, uh, particularly with respect to uh, Triumph Business Capital, one of our larger uh, factoring companies for the selected carriers that we utilize. Uh, so we've had a long relationship there. And I've gotten into a, a, a much better relationship with uh, Jordan Graff and uh, Bo Carlton and the rest of the people there at Triumph Pay as we've been working on putting together this uh, movement to Triumph Pay. And so it's been a great relationship thus far. We're ready you know, to go live May 26. But the most interesting thing, the reason why it hooked up, uh, with Jordan is it started at your first Freightway conference with the Bitta, Bitta Supply Chain where he's leading the Think Tank group and I joined that Think Tank group and we got talking and everything else and I had a, a Robin Hudson from my a team who runs our customer service come over and say, hey, because anything we do with the amount of phone calls we're getting in from factoring companies, um, just phone calls asking when we're going to get paid, when we're going to get paid, when we're going to get paid. And uh, so I called Jordan up and I said, Jordan, because they were on making a lot of phone calls. I said, Jordan, what can we do about this? And I called him on a Friday. And oddly enough, he said, I'll be there Monday. And sure enough, they showed up Monday and we had our first discussion about Triumph Pay and, and the ability to uh, uh, hopefully uh, then take on that responsibility as well as the payments to the carrier. So it's been a, it's been a great relationship working with their entire team, uh, getting the integration process uh, going. And we're really looking forward, like I said, going live uh, next Tuesday with them. Wow, partnerships are about two groups, and also a little little cowbell for Freightways Live events bringing people together. But when you were talking to, to Jordan and his team over there that, that Michael and I both know very well, uh, what, what, what about those conversations made you decide that this was a great direction for Trinity to go into? Well, for us, the, the direction was simply how better can we service the, the, the wonderful carriers we have. You know, here at Trinity, we treat our customers and our carriers exactly like the shippers and carriers to us are all customers. And we want to make sure that we provide uh, carriers the best opportunities in the way in which we inter- interact with them. So we went to, to my carrier packets for the onboarding of uh, uh, carriers throughout that process so they could speed up the onboarding with us in that process. So, again, they're utilizing technology. So here I looked at talking with Jordan and realized there's a number of brokers and some larger brokers starting to get on the platform. I realized here's a simple way to carriers to get paid across the board. Second thing is they simply can choose a quick pay option for one invoice, two invoices, or for to, to join up on a quick pay. The other thing that provided was liquidity. The simple fact that that on the quick pay program they thing, they will float the money for the for the for the thirty day period of time. They'll pay the carriers on the quick pay, and then they'll collect from us thirty days later. So we're saving on some interest costs, and 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 hopefully because of the reduced number of capitals, we can repurpose people into other positions. Uh, that, that become more productive for us and add more value to it. So when you look at that perspective, it's a win-win for us. And, and the reason why it's a win-win for us is that in addition to offering a, a tool to our carriers, the other thing we're able to do is reduce our quick pay rate. We're at 3%. We're going down to 2% fully. But but for the first 90 days, we're, we're actually coming down to 1.5% because uh, we want to be able to return money back to the carriers. And we wanted to make sure that they have an opportunity to join up and get this simple uh, super introductory rate of the one and a half percent. Those are some awesome benefits there, there, Doug. And I, and obviously your, your, what you're doing there backs up the words that you speak as the, your carriers and your shippers are all your customers and they're valued and you want to bring those together. Those, those benefits are awesome. Is this, you, you see this as something moving forward. This starts on, on, on Tuesday. Is that when it is? And how do people get involved with that? Yeah, it starts on Tuesday. 
uh, you can, uh, we've been sending out emails to all the carriers asking to sign up. In fact, we've already got an early sign-up period. Over 800 uh, carriers signed up into the program. Over 100 have joined into the Quick Pay program. Uh, we're going to continue to do that. We're calling out to carriers. We'll be calling out to carriers over the next uh, couple of weeks to invite them all in. They can uh, uh, come to us, ask our customer service people, and we'll give them the link that they need to uh, uh, to get on a Triumph Pay and register. And we're also going to help. Uh, we're going to also help the carriers in our conversations with them, especially those that are factoring right now. Uh, we're going to give them the opportunity to say, "Hey, you know, factor companies do have the ability to release individual brokers from your obligation." And we think at the 1.5% rate, we are going to be competitive, more than competitive in some of those brokers out there. And again, it's an opportunity to return their money back to them. My goal is, to be honest with you, Trinity's goal is hopefully that we get a sufficient number of volume coming through this quick pay program and we can leave it at 1.5%, which would be uh, pretty low compared to the rest of the industry as well. Like I said, it's a time to say, hey, here's another valuable, valuable piece valuable uh, uh, payment to the carriers because we know insurance rates are going up. Uh, we know there's more difficulties going on right now. We want to say, hey, this is a time for us to give back, partner, and not look to go back up to 3%. Now, we're going to stay at least at 2%, and hopefully, uh, depending on the number of carriers we can get over, we can stay at the 1.5% for, for the long term as well. Well, Doug, you have a fan in Trey Griggs. He says, Doug Potvin is the man. Great to hear you on here and what you've been doing for your customers and carriers, keep up the great work, my friend. Uh, we're almost running out of time, but before we go, it's uh, it's hard to ignore. We're in that COVID-19 environment. How has that changed business for you guys? Uh, it's changed business in the sense that we're uh, we're working from home. I mean, we, we, we planned eight years ago when we moved our phone system into the cloud. That's when we started. We got laptop computers probably beginning five years ago to handle what snowstorms and things of that nature for one of our individual offices to work from home pretty quickly. Well, in this particular case, when it hit, we got the stay-at-home orders. Within two days, we had 90% of the workforce home. Within another two days, we had the rest of them home because we're just waiting on the jetpacks to help people hit with internet and didn't have internet connectivity at their houses. So that allowed us for that. We find that we're more productive. Uh, We're going to be offering that flexible work schedule out there as well to our team members uh, because we've seen this. We've seen the productivity increase. We've seen the benefit to our team members from that from that regard. And so, you know, we are looking at changing. I mean, we, we are now uh, in the process of hiring nationally for, for, for a claims representative because you don't need to be in Seaford, Delaware at our headquarters office to do the work. And that's what's going to be changing. We're going to get the best talented people so we can provide the best service to the carriers and the shippers. Well, Doug, for a second there, I was like, wait, they got jetpacks? Are you hiring? No, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> Doug, how do, how do people uh, reach out? Where, where should they go uh, after this show to learn more about Trinity? www.trinitylogistics.com. Uh, we got a great website there. We're going to be, in fact, revamping the website. It's going to be launching in a couple months. And they come there to find out more information uh, and get the information they need and be in contact with us. We've got a Facebook page as well. Uh, LinkedIn site. So reach out in many different ways to us and we'll make sure we respond back and get in touch with you. Doug, thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate it. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Hey, thank you, thank Doug. you as well. You guys enjoying well and uh, keep doing what you're doing there at Freightways. Take care. Thanks. Wow, cool to hear that uh, that they met at a Freightways live event, Triumph Pay and and Trini Logistics and decided to to hook up. That's what these live events are all about.
Yeah, that's right. And it was at one of our first, it was, I believe it was our first event uh, where, where they met up. It was also interesting to me to hear that they're, you know, he's seeing productivity increase with, with uh, working from home and they're going to do that. And they're recruiting even virtual uh, employees to work from virtual offices and, uh, and, and from home, et cetera. And wasn't, didn't, wasn't uh, there a survey from uh, Put That Coffee Down that came, that, that came out that showed that a lot of brokers were actually bringing people back into the offices eventually? Is that what it said, or was it the reverse of that? No, so Kevin and I, yeah, we put that survey out, and it really looked like um, a lot of, like, the, no new behaviors were, in terms of, uh, like, the brokerage space, a lot of new behaviors yeah. weren't really forming. A lot of brokers still in their DNA to have to have people in the office. I was talking to to Trent Broberg from Truck Stop about that, how, like, I remember when I used to call in sick at some of the brokerages I worked at, you know, you'd get the evil eye the next day you come in. It's, it's one of those places where it seems like people really want visibility on you. I, I personally hope that would change. I, I felt like uh, I would always kind of resent it because I was living in Boston. I would have to take the, I'd have to take the red line to the orange line to the blue line and then work a mile to uh, in East Boston to, to FedEx trade networks. And I was like, man, this would be so much easier if I could just use the internet. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. I lived in East Boston for about six months there, Dooner, by the way. Oh, did you? Whereabouts? I, I did on uh, what was it uh, Meridian Street? Oh yeah, right, uh, North, was it Maverick Station? Right by Maverick Station. Yeah, that's where I got off and used to walk that mile down to uh, cross McClellan Highway to FedEx Street yeah. Networks. Hey, let's call uh, Mark Vickers now. Speaking of a past life, I used to work in cross border operations for for a broker who I will not name. Um, but uh, cross border is very interesting world. High transaction, you know, coming across this year. USMCA coming into place. They're doing an event surrounding that. So great time to get some information out of Mark Vickers, the CEO of Borderless Coverage, on what's going on in that space. Hi, good afternoon. It's Mark. Hey, Mark. Thanks for joining Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. We know you're going to be talking once about what cross border freight. I used to work in that wild world of uh, of borders in <laughs> Mexico and Canada. How you doing today? Yeah. Awesome. You're also a you're hey, OH, Mark. Yeah, he's in Cleveland, I, uh, Ohio, right? Yeah, I went, I went to Ohio State. Uh, I am up in Cleveland. And even though I own a cross-border trucking company, we are based out of Cleveland, Ohio, believe it or not. And I think that, yeah. <laughs> I think that Michael Vincent's trying to curry some favor with you. Uh, you are on a telephone, so you can't see it. But when you watch this back, hold up your cup over there, Michael Vincent. Oh, yeah. Hey, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. He's, he's holding up an Ohio State uh, tumbler. Nice, good form. All right, yeah, man. I've got hey, got Brutus for, on there, bro. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. I really find some great value uh, in the information I get out of freight waves, and then I'm, I'm also a big fan of the show. So, hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, great. So, hey, Mark. So, uh, modernization of cross border trade. How does this event come about? Give us some background sure. on that. So, really, the, the top cross border trucking company. Mexican carriers, border drayage companies, uh, border warehouses, and kind of all products that supports cross-border trade have all kind of come together to forge positive change in that space. And this group is called the Laredo Motor Carrier Association. And I'm the owner of Borderless Coverage, where we provide uh, cross-border business consulting, cross-border cargo insurance to trucking companies and freight brokers, and USMCA, which is the organization of NAFTA uh, consulting. So Borderless and, and the LMCA, the Laredo Motor Carrier Association, we joined forces and we put 
together an annual event called Modernization of Cross-Border Trade uh, that, that updates the cross-border community on, on the top updates. And we introduce new products that are enabling greater cross-border efficiency. So I guess that kind of sums it up. Was this an in-person event last year? Because those those can get kind of dangerous. Like I said, I used to work in that cross-border world, and we used to get together with the uh, with the Canadians. Uh, a lot of drinks were poured at those those events. It would it would be hard to make it through them, especially if there's it was a few days. Uh, is this one moving virtually? What's give us a little background? Yeah, COVID, we're forced to do it virtually. Uh, last year's event was a blast, though. It was hosted in Laredo, Texas, with a lot of the cross-border leaders. It was held at a Mexican restaurant, and there was lots of tequila served, so we had a blast. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, hey, Mark, what's the challenges? You think it's going to be a challenge translating everything into uh, uh, the the, uh, virtual event? Get the same effect out of it? Get the same information across? Well, it's a lot of information. We've got it jam-packed into about an hour and 15 minutes. So I don't think the, the virtual uh, event will be an issue. Uh, we've got a, a great lineup this year. Uh, just just to highlight it a little bit, the keynote speaker of the event will be Kenneth Smith-Ramos, as well as Fernando Mayer. Uh, Ken was the former head of NAFTA. Mm. Uh, he, he negotiated the USMCA on behalf of the Mexican embassy. And what's great about having him at this event is so rather than hearing about USMCA from the so-called expert, we get to hear it from Ken, who negotiated this deal, and get to, to hear it from his point of view. So uh, cross-border companies can learn actually how to capitalize on the agreement rather than just become compliant. We've been talking about this this trade war for four years, right? Ever ever since uh, ever since the new president comes into office, becomes a huge issue. Everyone's talking about our supply chains going to move out of China. Are they going to onshore come to America? Maybe mm-hmm. come to Mexico? Maybe come to Canada? Do you think that this pandemic with the with shutdowns in factories over China and whatnot, it, do you think it makes partners yep. in Canada and Mexico more vital? Uh, so that's a great point, and I guess a quick stat that there. Are- there are about 16,000 shipments that are crossing the border every single day between the Mexico and the U.S. Most of that's done right in the way to Texas. So there's a variety of factors that are influencing an increase in trade between the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, you mentioned one, the China-U.S. trade war. Second, what's COVID-19? Uh, nobody's traveling internationally. And then the USMCA is being implemented uh, in just about a month. Uh, July 7th. So there's a lot of nearshoring going on. Uh, manufacturing in Mexico is is real hot. And that, that really equates to trade between the U.S. and Mexico being more important than ever. Uh, and that's resulting in, in Mexico now being the number one trade partner with the U.S. And Laredo has actually overtaken Los Angeles as the number one port Although it's an inland port, it's been one port for international trade uh, for the United States. Everybody knows that. Nobody thinks of Laredo as a comparable port to Los Angeles or New York or Savannah, uh, but it's there's more trade done there than anywhere else in the United States. Noy Mahoney just uh, just did a wow. fist pump. Our own Noy Mahoney. He covers that. Uh, he covers that area, right? Right, Michael Vincent. 
Yeah, he, he does. And that's a solid point. It, nobody really does uh, think of it that way. I mean, until you put it that way, it's like, well, yeah, duh, you really should be thinking of it that way. But, you know, uh, Mark, wh- why is it important for North American trucking, trucking companies and 3PLs to optimize their cross-border programs right now? Why, why is this a hot, such a hot topic for them? Well, there's just so much trade going on and it's a lot more than, than even a year ago. So even amidst COVID-19, uh, there's just more manufacturing done in Mexico than in, in China. And there's more trade being done between the U.S. and Mexico and, as opposed to just the U.S. and Canada. And there hasn't been a lot of uh, investments in Laredo cross-docking and Laredo inventory management systems and RFID solutions and just cross-border trucking and operations and processes in general. So with with USMCA getting implemented on July 1st, right now is a crucial time for any organization that that does cross-border trade between the United States and Mexico. Now is the time for them to really focusing in on these new laws, which will be implemented, and learn how to capitalize on it, because there's a lot of benefits from this USMCA trade agreement, and they can hear it uh, live on the 28th from the guy yeah, how do they? One of the things I love about these virtual events, Michael and uh, and Mark, is that they're free. So you can sample them, you can get all sorts of information, you can attend conferences without having to sneak in. You know, I used to carry a clipboard and go into any mm-hmm. conference I wanted. You, could, you know, but now you do it virtually. Uh, how do you sign up for this year's modernization of cross border trade? Sure. So uh, good question. Uh, it's free because it's being sponsored this year by CargoCast and their their CEO Dan. APAS will actually be providing a, a live demo of their digital uh, RFID solution. It enables real-time inventory tracking. Uh, it's, it's, it's prevalent in world-class distribution facilities in the U.S., uh, but it's really applicable in the transloading intensive environments of Laredo. So CargoCast is sponsoring it. It's a totally free event, and if you log into to LinkedIn, click, click in borderless coverage, and you'll be able to register online for free uh, right now. The event's going to be on uh, Thursday of next week, May 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Very good. Thanks for your time today, Mark. We really appreciate it. It was good having you on the show. Yep. Thank thanks you, Mark. a lot, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Will do. Take it easy. Well, right good stuff. Uh, the, the next guest we're going to have on is a friend of yours, right? Ken Sherman at Teletrans. I believe that he demoed over at, uh, at, at uh, I was about to say transparency. That's what we used to call these things. Freight waves live at home, right? <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't demo. Oh, they didn't demo. No, and Teletrans did not demo. Never contradict no, me, Michael no, Vincent. No. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll take, I take it back. Right. They did. We're convincing <laughs> they did. All right. Here, here's a joke from my friend John, John Kingston while we dial him up. Two women are at a resort in the Catskills of New York, and one says to the other, you know, the food here is terrible. And the other says, yes, and such small portions. <laughs> hey, hey, Ken, this is, uh, this is Dooner and the Dude over on What the Truck. Thank you for joining us. Ken Sherman's VP and GM at Intellitrans, and I believe you're in Atlanta, Georgia, right? 
That's correct, Dooner. Pleasure to speak with you this afternoon. Hey, Michael Vincent, I know that you're a hockey fan and I'm a, I'm a puckhead too. He went to Rensselaer Polytech Institute. He's a Rensselaer Polytech Institute grad. Their team's called the Engineers. But you may not know this, that in the mid-80s, they have the record for the longest undefeated streak in, uh, in, the, in NCAA hockey. That's pretty amazing. From, uh, Is that right? Yes, yeah. And they, they, uh, they lost. Um, they had, uh, let's see, the Boston University is who beat them. Boston University Terrors, go beat you. Adam Oates and Darren Poppo were on that team, two NHL players. So, you know, not, nothing to be ashamed of losing that one. Yeah, they uh, actually won the national championship. I think it was my sophomore year that I was there. Um, and I was, you know, fortunate enough to have an engineering class with Darren. Um, and then a uh, banking class with John Carter, who was also on that team. Whoa, no, no, no. Wow. This school, there's also some lineage here, too. So the civil engineers went to RPI, and those include the Visionary Transcontinental Railroad uh, by Theodore Judah, the Brooklyn Bridge engineer Washington Roebling, uh, George Washington L. Francis Jr., who invented the, the Ferris wheel, and Lafette L. Buck, the chief engineer of the Williamsburg Bridge in New York City. So cool <laughs> stuff going on there. Yeah, I really enjoyed my uh, years there, both my undergraduate degree and then my uh, master's degree in mechanical engineering. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You didn't skate, though, huh, Ken? No, not very well at all. It'd be kind of funny if you saw it. <laughs> I got you. So, hey, Ken, so in Teletrans, we, it's been a little while since we, since we, we had you on there. Can you kind of speak to a little bit of what uh, Intelitrans and where you're seeing the visibility in relation to, you know, upstream, downstream supply chain and, and what you've seen since the last time we spoke? I believe the last time we spoke, you saw that the, uh, you, you were talking about the fact that uh, you had seen vir- shipments virtually just just die, just just fall off a cliff. And, and what has changed since then? Yeah, you know, the good news is, you know, from them, we've seen, you know, signs of the recovery taking hold. So, you know, most of our customers do a lot of truck and rail shipments with us. Um, you know, on the rail side, that's been declining all year long. Um, but the last couple of weeks, we finally see that decline flattening. So hopefully that will start rebounding, you know, in the next coming weeks. Truck, on the other hand, started declining sooner. You know, the peak uh, volume that we saw was in week 10. It kind of steadily declined for about the next five weeks, uh, dropping by about 30% or so um, from that week 10 high. What we've seen since then over the past five weeks is each week has been better than the week before. Um, We've clawed about half of that 30% drop back. So if we went down 30, we've come back up 15 um, and, you know, we expect that to kind of continue going forward um, based on what we're seeing today. If you've been online, the, the big topic that people have been have been saying is that there's this Nike swoosh, right? And it, I'm, I'm not sure if it's last dance fever, people being optimistic, or we really think the economy is going to look like that. We, Michael's talked about the, the V, the W, and the, and the swoosh. Which kind of recovery do you think we're going to see? Yeah, I'm uh, betting on the swoosh at this point um, because of what we're seeing in the market is kind of, we've got the bounce back. It's going to be, you know, getting the 15% back was pretty quick. You know, the other 15, I think is going to take you know, a much longer period of time, which that elongated period for growth is what kind of gives it that Nike swoosh or elongated check mark shape. So if I had to bet on a V U W L uh, or swoosh, I would bet on the swoosh. 
All right. So, Ken, I think it's I think it's important that people understand. And I'm not sure we made it clear that I did, and I apologize for that. What what it is that you guys are tracking? Because it's important to understand a perspective of what you're talking about as far as increases, decreases in 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 movement of of the freight. Can you speak to that a little bit about what you guys are actually tracking? Yeah, so most of our customers are in the bulk and break bulk commodity industries. So we've got a lot of presence in materials as well as industrials um, with smaller kind of segments in consumer products, uh, disposables, um, energy and utilities. You know, and between those materials is kind of fared uh, kind of middling. Um, where it dropped about 17%, you know, now it's down about 10%. Consumer fared the best where it was actually up during the downturn. I think as most people saw, um, people with the buying uh, products for home versus, you know, using the same products either at a restaurant or at their office space, you know, that growth kind of, uh, tapered, tapered out a little bit, um, Whereas energy and utilities both got smacked hard, more like down 40%. And we continue to see those down much more strongly than we see the uh, materials segment or the consumer segment. Kenny, in any recovery, there's winners and losers. Not, not everyone recovers equally. Who do you think some of the winners will be? Um, well, I think you know, folks from those segments that are in the energy side should see a bounce as oil prices kind of come back. Uh, so the decline where they were down over 40%, I think, will kind of ameliorate over time. Um, I think the materials will do quite strongly um, based on what we're seeing. I would also expect industrials to come back uh, fairly well, but not as strong as materials, um, because we're seeing, obviously, some of the changes in you know what consumers are doing and are they commuting to work and what does that imply for transportation expense and wear and tear on vehicles and need to replace those. Um, so I think some of that is going to have a longer term change that will kind of dampen their prospects more than uh, some of the base materials that we're helping our customers move. Excellent stuff. So you're you're seeing the the raw materials that are coming for industry. So it's supporting it's supporting that swoosh. And, and so are, are, do you see any forward looking momentum in in what you're watching? Um, a bit. Um, you know, mostly by the time the orders get to us, they're within a few weeks at most of executing. So I've only got a couple of weeks look into the future, um, but things are still generally trending around what we're seeing now with rail kind of remaining flat and truck continuing to rebound, you know, in line with the, the segments that I was talking about. Ken, we, we talk a lot about predictions from these events. What prediction do you think is, uh, is what popular prediction do you think is dead wrong, though, about, about what, what will happen post-COVID with freight? Um, well, I think it depends on the segment. Um, what I would say is for most of our customers, because of, what they're moving, you know, particularly in the material segment and what their customers do with it. I don't think that's going to be as radically transformed as stuff closer to the consumer. So think about us and a large fraction of our customers being far back on the bullwhip of the supply chain. I think stuff where the consumer is touching it will change much more rapidly um, than where our customers exist further back from the consumer. 
great insights. Ken, how do people reach out and learn more? Um, best way to do that is go to the IntelliTrans.com website or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, both of the handles there are IntelliTrans. Nice. Have a, have a great, happy, safe uh, Memorial Day weekend, Ken. Thanks for your time today. You and yours. Stay safe, happy, happy and healthy. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Ken. Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you think, Michael? You agree? I, I, um, yeah, I mean, the, the things that he's tracking, stuff like that, is, it, he's described it to me before, is you just think out of the ground, right? And so how, when it comes out of the ground, they're, they're tracking that move. That's the main things that they're, they're tracking and assisting with, with uh, manufacturing and, and shippers, et cetera. So, uh, I, you know, from his perspective, I agree with what he's saying as far as diversifying your, your, your uh, supply chain and changes of that coming closer to North America. You can only find minerals in certain things. In, in certain areas of the world, et cetera. So it's kind of hard to change where you're mining for this or mining for that and bringing it in, right, in these bulks. Yeah, rail is such an intermodal rail is such a, a weird beast, too. I know he talked a little bit about that. It's And it's just because intermodal just is not nearly as reactive as as trucking is, right? They don't just drop rate to be competitive. They they set a line, and uh, and if you don't cross it, then they won't fill the capacity. It's, a, it's an interesting beast, intermodal. Yeah, it's totally. It is totally different. It's much like shipping, right? If you could uh, have alliances in trucking and reduce capacity or extend capacity based on where you want the price line set. <laughs> yep. All right, man. It's time for some. Oh man! All right, so. <laughs> It's Memorial Day weekend. If, if you if you don't if you're not itching to get out, I mean, it, it, nothing like a long weekend to really make you start to hate quarantine. Right. Get out there. You might want to go to Kohl's. Right? They've reopened in 14 states. Um, but there's uh, that's the good news. They're, they've opened in 14 states. But now there's some bad news because it's retail, of course. Right. right? Inventory yeah, receipts. So it's got to be bad. Inventory receipts are down 60%. Clothing and accessory sales are down 89% year over year in April, according to the U.S. Commerce Department. On their, on their earnings call, CEO Michelle Gass said, we reduced inventory receipts, extended payment terms. And that's a key there, extended payment terms. And I imagine some of those mm-hmm. is to vendors and some of those is to carriers. And reducing expenses across business, including marketing, technology, and operations. In fact, 11% of North American apparel retailers are canceling more than half their planned orders in response to coronavirus crisis. According to McKinsey, how's this going to hit freight? Yeah, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna help freight, but I mean this this stuff is is not moving. Uh, well, I mean inventories are moving that, but it's it's further. I think it, it plays into whether that swoosh is gonna how steep that swoosh is gonna be, or whether it's gonna be W's is is how this is gonna affect these things. I mean back to school retail, we've heard this a number of times from different people that the, the those orders are being canceled or they're being pushed back or they're halved or what what have you. But uh, it, it's gonna make it for a bumpy ride, Dooner is what it is. It's showing that staggering start sputtering type of recovery i think is what it does but more bad news so covid19 buying habits e-commerce and uh, drive up demand is stress testing and the very concept of target stores and has some executives wondering if they can operate at scale to keep pace with commerce growth right fulfilling these things inside store but uh the good news is dooner that with segments like same day fulfillment grew by 278 percent year over year in uh, in the quarter 141 percent year over year rise in e-commerce revenue drive up store 
stores alone posted a thousand percent growth in April, Dune, or a thousand percent. That's a big number. Mm. COO John Mulligan said on the company's earnings call, Target is testing a new sort of cent- a new sort center concept downstream from stores in order to better facilitate efficient last mile delivery. The sort uh, center's purpose would be to remove parcel sorting from stores and enable high throughput of e-commerce packages. They also got a new robotic system that sorts millions of units into boxes assigned to store aisles for faster unpacking inside the stores. Um, so uh, Target's pivoting. Yeah, you know, and I think that it makes sense for them because they're realizing that these are two different businesses. They're under the Target brand, but your your traditional store manager, store GMs, they are uh, their philosophy on the shopper and their philosophy on inventory and their philosophy on service are much different than the philosophies of they're trying to bring people into the store while e-commerce and pickups are keeping people outside the store. So these things are, you know, they're working at odds and you kind of need that that yin and yang where we're both work in, in some sense of unison or you get, you know, you have these services and you mentioned it at Home Depot that when it's not stress test, that curbside pickup is fantastic, but when it is stress test, it falls by the wayside. And you're exactly right. You're hitting the nail right on the head is these guys, you're managing these large stores and you know how to do that, that retail. That's not distribution. That's not order fulfillment. It's a completely different mindset and completely different operation. And it looks like they're trying to meld those two together. In that same report, they talked about the fact that Target is also looking at in their stores uh, uh, reducing the retail space and increasing their 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 sort space inside those facilities as well. So they're 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 on top of the ball trying to trying to make that move. I've done curbside pickup at Target for a TV. It was it was fantastic. It was pretty seamless. You bought it on the app. It it sent you a notification when it was ready. If you keep the app open, it'll actually track you driving there so that they know when you're going to pull into that that special location outside. They bring it right out to you. However, like we mentioned with the Home Depot thing, it hasn't really been stress tested until COVID. And very smart of Target to just realize early on into this that you know what. Uh, this type of this type of stuff, just like how I was listening to the the CEO of Inst- of uh, Instacart talking, and he's like, these kind of orders, these online grocery orders, and these curbside pickups, they uh, they just advanced five years within like a month or two. Yeah, I bet. I'm sure. I'm sure they they definitely have. Yeah, the uh, Home Depot was fabulous in the beginning, but as it got more and more popular, they they definitely struggled. At least in the, the couple of stores that I was at. By the way, shout out. So they've. Shout out to Kenneth Carter three, who's in in the the comments. Join us, Chandler Morgan, Chris Jolly, Delayo Anderson. He says, "Boo, go blue." I think he was referencing back to maybe when we were talking about uh, Ohio State. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he definitely was. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, he's, he's rooting for blue out there. <laughs> By the way, before we put Coles, I, f- I forgot to mention this. I don't know if you've ever shopped there, but that is like the most confusing store experience I've ever had with their Kohl's cash. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And what I also don't like about Kohl's is that, like, I know the price of a Star Wars figure. I buy my kids a lot of Star Wars figures. They're, like, $7.99 at Walmart. And you go there, and they pull, like, this this nonsense where it's, like, $11.99 for one figure, but then you have to buy another one, and then it's half off. So it kind of equals what it would cost to buy two, but, like, the original unit price is inflated, so it makes me not trust Kohl's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, and that's and that's one of the reasons I'm not like a shopper dooner. I, I I I'm a I'm a very strategic. I go and pinpoint. I'm very very tactical. Boom, this out, gone. Right. I know what I'm going to get. Yeah. Well, if I go shopping at all. Here's one. Here's one for you. Bad news. You're Carlos Goshen, oh. an internationally wanted fugitive. Goshen. He served as the CEO of of some major companies: Michelin North America, Chairman and CEO of Renault, uh, Chairman of. 
I'm not sure of this one. Avto Vaz? Never heard of it. Chairman and CEO of Nissan and chairman of Mitsubishi Motors. He got into trouble, though, at Nissan in Japan at false accounting, right? For false accounting? Well, here's the good news. And this kind of volleys between good news and bad news. But the good news for him, not for everybody else, but for him, the good news (laughs) is a father and son pair of Massachusetts men, one of which was a former Green Beret. They agreed to sneak him out of Japan. So in late December, they fly to Tokyo and they met with Gashin, who is under house arrest at this Grand Hyatt Hotel. Here's what happens, though. So this is like a this is like a heist movie. At 8.14 p.m., Goshen Michael Taylor and this other gentleman named Zayak arrived at the hotel and entered room 4609 at 9.00. At 9.57 p.m., Taylor and Zayek emerged from the room with luggage, including two large musician cases, and they were heading towards the airport. So uh, they get to the airport, and they bring this guy to a private jet that's sending him back to, uh, to his home country. And uh, I- I'm wondering, I hope it wasn't something like this, Michael, like uh, this case. Yes, we were were talking about. They stuffed him in a harmonica case. Oh man, Lance Healy, check your harmonica case. Yeah. So what happens? They they put him in this. They put him in this private jet. He flies off to Lebanon. But then the bad news for the guys who smuggled him out. This guy's still free, right? But then the the little guys who helped him get away, they got busted, and now they're they're due in Massachusetts federal court. Yeah, and so I mean, let's think about this. Let's let let's let this let's let's. So these these two guys from Massachusetts hook up with this guy and agree to smuggle him out of Japan, right? And 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 get him out of there. So they they go through all this trouble, stuff him in a harmonica case, get him onto their private jet, fly him eight thousand eight hundred thirty eight kilometers to uh to to Istanbul, or maybe it was Constantinople. I'm not I'm not sure. It was Istanbul, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's well, it's nobody's oh, yeah. business but the Turks. But oh, anyways, <laughs> Uber. So now the guy's in Lebanon, right? So Uber says, if you look it up, it's eleven hour thirty three minute by car. So it's like a thirty minute flight to to Lebanon, where this guy then announces, "Hey, I've escaped. I'm back in Lebanon." Meanwhile, so the plan was, let's do all this work. We'll get him within a thirty minute plane ride. But instead of taking him there in our private jet, we'll use a credit card and buy a commercial uh, uh, airline flight to get him that 30-minute flight and then get busted for smuggling him out of there. Didn't work out. Uh, It didn't work out so good. Didn't work out so good. So good news, Dooner, though. Your e-scooter startup Lime with roughly 120,000 scooters in 30 countries, Dooner. Whoa, man! I was at Gats last. News, I was at Gats last year in Dallas, and these like e-scooters were. They're banned in Chattanooga, but they were everywhere. They were just all over the place. People just flying everywhere at Gats on e-scooters. Yeah, they 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 look a lot. Of, they look like a lot of fun. I don't get on them because I'm I'm too old now. I don't want to break my back or anything. But so now here's the bad news, though, brother. The coronavirus has all but killed the ridership on the global level, and now Lime is making drastic cuts. The company said it is winding down or pausing service in the following countries, and and I can read these off as fast as I can. You want me to take the test here, Dooner, and just try and read these as fast as I can? Let's just say there's a lot. There's a, I mean, it, it pretty much just says Earth. Yes. <laughs> I think if you combine all these countries, it, it, it's Earth. It starts with A, it ends with Z. They're every one of them. Yeah. Uber rideshare <laughs> which booking is, which too. Is not good. Uber rideshare booking killed. It's down seventy percent in cities like New York and San Francisco. And and here's fun, here's a byproduct of all that though. Pe- more people are riding bikes, but uh, bike accidents are up in New York forty three percent. So you can't die for trying. Uh, no, you, 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 you really can't. And how do they go up 43% in New York City when they're in, in lockdown? There's like one person going down the street. Were they running into fire hydrants or something? It's, or like, what are they? it's like Death Race 2000. You know, they're just making people <laughs> aiming for them. All wow, right. There's, a, there's an old reference. Here's, a, here's some bad news. You, here's some bad news. You have to enter two months of quarantine and you're worried that your donkey 
may not remember you. Right? Well, uh, we're going here. Okay. <laughs> you're bragging about nothing. <laughs> according to C- according to CNN. <laughs> according to C- <laughs> according <laughs> according to CNN, Ismail. Oh, hi, I'm Donkey. <laughs> it's my, there's my donkey right here. I don't have a donkey. This is uh, we were actually trying to get this video, but I couldn't get in touch with the guys. So we have to we have to reenact this with a different donkey braying and uh, this relap- this velociraptor. Uh, <laughs> is that the donkey's uh, ancestor right there? Is it, that that is? was Ismail Ferrandez. His punt, his pet donkey was Baldomera, and uh, it wouldn't. He thought I wouldn't remember him, but I was super happy to see him. It's a very touching video. Look up, look up. Baldomera, I know that donkey. Yeah, he's a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Time to hear from you! Comment section rodeo! <laughs> Alright, from the article, panel of shippers, look at the question of YRC's faith, and this is from a gentleman by the name of F.U. Uh, post some real Whoa. news about YRC, you POS. It's always negative news. Freight wave sucks. Everything is regurgitated for weeks at a time. Wish your site would stop popping up in my google news feed <laughs> nice <laughs> art follows up with freight waves has slacked off big time since march what are you folks doing working from home lol if unemployment wasn't 40 million probably no articles would be written well i can name something <laughs> we did well, how about freight waves live at home which had get this four keynotes 18 fireside chats five wave talks four full of speed aheads Four tech spotlights, 28 demos, 18 live Freight Waves TV shows, including multiple What the Trucks that we did. And we even did ones on Monday and Friday. So who's slacking off now, Mr. Comment Section, commenting during work? Art? Yeah, exactly, dude. Well, you know, if you notice, it was at 2.21 a.m. and I've got some advice, bro. It's not art. It's not a good idea to get on social media after a hard night of drinking at 2.21 in the morning. Yeah. All right. Here's some from, from the article, uh, Sam Sarah lays off 18% of workforce. So they were it. So they raised four hundred million today, and still let three hundred-ish people go the same day. They must be burning through cash. You wonder how long they will be around before they close shop or are or bought at a discount. And well, that was kind of a weird story. They did. They they raised like three hundred million, but then also got rid of eighteen percent of their staff. Yeah, I mean, you can read into what was going on there, right? I mean, they had to do some restructuring to raise some money and focus on some stuff. But Earl Thomas writes, clearly between the layoff, reduction in valuation and need for that much cash, they were overextended. This has the makings of Fleetmatic since the exec team sold the last company. You think they won't get hacked up by AT&T or Verizon? They seem desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's up with uh, Mark? Mark Horowitz is in the comments. He says, great show, guys. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. You as well, Mark. Lawrence Alvarado, he says, uh, read them, read them. He was great on this show. He played his trumpet for us. Go back and listen to Mondays. And AE Logistics is, yeah, right. uh, says, check in, just checking in. Love the show. Thanks, AE. Okay, here's one. From the article, owner-operators seek DOT enforcement of broker regulations. Robert Beatty says, if the claim is there, it's not enough freight, then that does not mean that rates have to go down. Just before there is less freight doesn't make it any less expensive to move anything from point A to point B to point C, brother. Oversized loads are paying less than $2 a mile. You added fuel cost and permit fees. You're losing money taking that load, but you're forced to take the load. To keep the insurance up in the trailer rent and last month's fuel bill. Catch a breakdown and you are negative in the numbers. 
<laughs> yeah, he's right on the financing. He's right on the financing of things, but he's not understanding that now there's more people that are bidding on that piece of freight that is driving down those costs. And Siki says, okay, this is how it goes on uh, goes on application. Load is offered for $2,800. Then after a few hours, it was $3,900. Then $4,100. Where is this money coming from, shipper? I don't think so. I think it was 5000 from the start. Just nice guy broker wanted to explore market and opportunity for making extra profit, and that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you caught it. You pulled that mask off, Scooby. They would have right. got away with They're it, too. They're fishing it, for the best price they can get. They would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Jack Ampuja. <laughs> Zoinks. Jack Ampuja says, I don't understand why owner operators expect to know how much money brokers make on each load. How much... How many of us know or even care about the profit of other middlemen like retail grocer or an auto dealer or even a travel agent? If we don't like the price they offer, we don't buy. Why should the trucking industry be any different? The trucker knows what he will be paid for a load. If it's too low, don't take it. Think about the situation where the broker loses money on a load to retain a customer. Is the trucker willing to share in the loss? As I see it, the basic issue is lack of price and discipline by the trucker. That is some solid logic right there, Dooner, though, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think he's right. Drake says, if you don't like the rate, don't take the load. Or better yet, get your own customer. Yeah. These compla- this com- Those complaining need to learn to think for themselves instead of relying on the government. Amen, brother. <sighs> it's tough. I mean, do you want the nanny or do you want not the nanny? You can't have, you can't have half a nanny state, you know? You, you start yeah, going they only sh- want the nanny when they're not getting their way, bro. Uh, and here's from the article, owner-operators seek DOT enforcement of broker regulations. This is from Dave, and he says, Uber Freight will be gone in six months. You can't run on fumes forever, and it's not like their parent is making money. Timber! <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mark says, hope you're under that tree, Dave. Oh, oh, man, <laughs> ah, sick bird. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Coming after you, man. Hey, download the Freightways TV app. You can watch all those shows. You can watch. Uh, you can watch last week Monday's What the Truck. You can watch Put That Coffee Down. You can watch uh, Freight Forecast with Michael Vincent, which was on yesterday. Subscribe to Freightcast. Get every single Freightways podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Follow Freightways at Freightways. Follow him at Vincent the Dude. Look us up on LinkedIn. It's Michael Vincent. I'm Timothy Dooner. This has been What the Truck. It's been a great show. It's going to be. Uh, what are you doing this Memorial Day weekend? You know, I'm going to hang loose, uh, but Sunday I'm watching the game, bro. Tiger and Manning against Mickelson and uh, Brady on the oh. golf course. Ah, you know, be bad. I'm not, you know, Brady is, uh, in Massachusetts, We one time they put out an article that, like, I, I believe it was the Globe, and it was really going into that whole Patriot relationship, but Brady is a little bit of a... He can be a little bit of wacky. Like he's selling a uh, like COVID nineteen vitality supplement right now, and he's and him and Russell Wilson sold that like concussion water. Like guys, come on, come on. Yeah, well, I mean, he he, he got his degree from uh, uh, Go Blue. <laughs> oh, from Michigan. What can yeah. I say? Yeah. <laughs> what I'm, can I say? You know, I heard so freight forecasting. <laughs> people have watched it. I heard that on freight forecasting. Right. I heard that other. Uh, there might have been an inside joke that the colors are Michigan colors. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was our creative crew kind of screwing with me. Yeah, absolutely. They knew I'd love those colors. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> hey, my kid's building a, a Lego Death Star. I'll post, uh, I'll post some results on that on, on Twitter. I know people have been asking. Sweet. 4,016 <laughs> awesome. pieces, man. <laughs> nice. Uh, you, you. <laughs> oh, 
you gotta videotape that thing in time lapse, dude.